I imagine that um, most, if not all of you, will know that um, Jonathan is studying uh, for ordination. Um, he's halfway through. I, 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 um, I almost said that he was a third of the way through his course um, and in the nine o'clock service, and he looked at me in horror, as if to say, yeah, yeah. Oh, one yeah. only one more year to go. Um, but uh, uh, Jonathan's going to be um, sharing with us this morning. Let me pray for you, Jonathan. Lord, we thank you for Jonathan and your call on his life and on his whole family. We thank you for them and their ministry here and Jonathan's ministry as well at Trinity in his placement church. May you bless him this morning as he preaches to us, as he shares your word. And may uh, we have open hearts to receive what he will share with us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can you hear me? Have I turned this on enough? Can you hear? Great, brilliant. It's a good start. Well, it is a great joy to be with you today. Not least because England are through. <laughs> and God heard my special prayers that Russia wouldn't get through because I thought of those hooligans fighting each other on the streets and God answered even that prayer. How amazing is that? Well, I'm going to um, just talk briefly a bit about holiness, but it'll only be a little bit, so don't worry if you're over-holiness. I just thought, as I started, that often our image of holiness is all about being set apart, that kind of Old Testament thing, frightening, holy of holies, take your shoes off, it's holy ground, really, oh, wow. And that is true, of course, but I wonder whether that's why when we hear holiness, we think, oh dear, I better run a mile. And you have somehow had a whole series on holiness. Wow, amazing. What a congregation. I've, yes, can we have the next, the next slide? This morning I want to talk to you a different aspect. Jesus at the supper with his disciples. He's there preparing to die. And he says to them, I need to sanctify myself, to, to make myself holy. What an extraordinary thing to say. And he's about to go and be executed on the rubbish dump. Silence, exactly. That's a bit of a downer. I thought this was all about being set apart, holiness. What's this thing about going on a rubbish dump and being executed? But that's what Jesus is like. He gets truly immersed in the mess and suffering of our life. Holiness is not to see hushed tones and weird-looking people doing funny things. It's happening in the most normal and everyday part of our lives. For Jesus, holiness was about going out to the place where it was most hard for humans to be human. And I wonder where God has placed you. I was thinking about that as I prepared. You're all in such amazing different places. Maybe you're in a tough place. I know lots of you work with um, ill and, and suffering people with cancer and all sorts of difficult cases. I just wonder whether your families are a worry to you. Maybe that hasn't turned out as you wanted. Maybe your whole career wasn't exactly what you had in mind. Maybe you find your work is somewhere where more and more people treat you less like a human and it's more relentless and more burdens and deadlines to do. Well, that seems the least likely place that we're meant to be holy. You'd think it would be in church on a Sunday. But what if God has called us to be holy in those places, just in the same way that Jesus went out into the rubbish dump to be to and was holy before he went there. I'm not talking about 
becoming these kind of saintly, nice people that you meet all around who are so nice and holy in that way that you want to kick them. That's, that, that's not the holy I'm talking about. I'm talking about the kind of holy people who when you meet them, whatever the mess you're in, they make you feel better than you really are at the time. You see, if we try and be good people, we just make other people feel like it's another competition. So are you really super holy? Are you kind of okay holy? And those over somewhere over there who really are not very holy at all, are they? We know that really. You see, it's nothing like that at all. If you meet a holy person, they don't make you feel inadequate. They make you feel better. They make you want to be more and they point you to the Father. Apparently, I learned recently that in the Roman Catholic Church, they make, to make you a saint, you have to already have had some proof that you brought joy to those around you. Isn't that a nice idea? So if you're going to be saintly, you bring joy. That's what a saintly, holy person will look like. They bring out the best in things. They make you see things differently. The catch is, there's always a catch, that you can't get there by trying. And we are so good at trying, aren't we? We're very good people. You see, just imagine, you're going to do your self-help course. I'm I'm going to be really holy now, Lord. I'm I'm not going to think about myself. I'm going to be so selfless. I'm not even going to be conscious about myself because I'm so getting holy. And then in 20 minutes' time, yes, I need to remind myself. I need to think, am I holy? It doesn't work, does it? Because you've just completely defeated the whole point. So there's no self-help book for holiness. Can I have the next slide? So there's a, a lot on this slide. This is written by previous Archbishop Rowan Williams, who I'm very lucky comes to, lucky for me, that he comes to talk at St. Melitus where I am. And he really embodies what I'm talking about. Amazing. He says, becoming holy is bec- being so overtaken by the extraordinariness of God that that is what you're really interested in. And that is what radiates from you to other people. I'm going to say that one more time because it's so dense, isn't it? Becoming holy is being so taken over by the extraordinariness of God that that is what you're really interested in and that's what radiates from you to other people. For the rest of the time, I'm just going to give you a few thoughts about what it might mean to spend time in the presence of God and to be with him and to see him from the two passages we've heard. Now, I recently had to take another exam. I took exams, so many medical exams, I thought I'd never take another one. But I took one in Greek New Testament uh, last week. I know, I know. But the only good thing about it, no, there were many good things. The good thing was I had to go over the beginning of John's Gospel in Greek again and again and again. And it was such a blessing to me. And I began to see that again and again, John talks about seeing God and being seen by him. So some people saw Jesus, but they didn't know who he was. Other people came to see him, and they followed him. The passage we had from John, chapter 1, that Christina read, speaks of John the Baptist recognizing Jesus the Messiah. So they've been waiting for the Messiah all that time, for many centuries. And his witness is that though he'd seen Jesus before, and didn't recognize him, now the Holy Spirit revealed to him that this was the Christ. He says, look, the Lamb of God, who comes to take away the sin of the world. Look, 
He truly is the Son of God. That's his witness. And the disciples, they also see Jesus. And when they see him, they follow him. Everywhere he goes, they go. Where he sleeps, they sleep. Where he eats, they eat. They watch him day in. What does he do in every situation? When he's touched by a bleeding, outcast woman, what does he do? What does he do when a prostitute's put in front of him? They watch him, watch him, and learn to be with him. That's what a first century disciple does. But John also wants us to notice that Jesus sees them. So if you were to read the passage we had today from John, you'd see that each time somebody comes to him, it says, Jesus saw him. It says, Jesus saw Simon. Jesus saw the disciples from John coming. He saw Nathaniel a bit later on from our passage under the tree. Jesus is looking and he is looking to us and we can look back at him. Now John is the kind of writer who weaves themes through his gospel. He's like a kind of great symphony writer so there's a kind of motif or theme going through. Now one of the themes you probably know is all these great I am sayings. Ian, what's the Greek for I am? I knew it. Well done. I could trust him. Fantastic. We were in a Bible study group nearly 30 years ago, and that came up, and he still got it. Fantastic. So there are all these I am sayings. That's a theme going through. But there's also a theme of seeing all the way through. So in the... Now, we're going to have some busy slides now. Can I have the first one now? Just bear with me. Christina says this is going to work, and I trust her. Don't worry that you... You can't read all the, the writing. What I'm going to show you is that in the verses, the 13 verses saw today, there are 12 words that say, I see, or to see. Isn't that extraordinary? Just hidden in there. So here's, I'm going to introduce you to five different friends. And you can say you did some Greek at church. How amazing. Blepo. There's one. Blepo. I see. And then the first verse, the next day, John saw him. And I don't know if you can see there's another saw further down. So there's two blepos. Uh, you see, when he saw Jesus passing by, when John sees, again, the same word. Next slide. Edo. Ah, oh, this is a great word. Because so this doesn't only just mean to, to look, but it also means to know. Isn't that good? So, can you see how many reds there are there? You don't have to read it all. There's one, two, three, four, and there's a B revealed. That's kind of looking and seeing, isn't it? My only, I think in English we do have a bit of this looking, looking with our eyes, but looking and seeing with our, our brains. When I was young, we had the saying said, I see, said the blind man, as he walked into the wall. Did you have that? Yeah, I thought it was very funny when I was young. So this, this, this is there. So when John says, I didn't know him before, he also could mean I didn't see him before. So maybe Jesus was there while people were being baptized, but he didn't see it. And then it says, the one who sent me revealed him to me. Right, the next one, my next friend. Well, here's two for the price of one. Thou am I and thet am I, thet am I. There you go, and that's two of them, so that there's one each of those. Next one, the last one, horao. So just, I haven't made this up. So there's how many there? One, two, C's there. And then the next slide. So I'll put them all together. Can you see even the reds? See how many reds there are? 12 and 30 verses. So I think that John is making a point. Do you agree? He wants us to pick up this scene, about, a theme about seeing him and being seen. Okay. In the Old Testament, when Moses came off the mountain, I don't know if you remember that story, he spent a long time with God on the mountain. He comes down and his face is shining so much with the glory of the Lord that is reflected off him that he wears a veil. 
Isn't that extraordinary? And there's a similar thing in, um, in the gospel uh, stories where Jesus has gone up the mountain to pray and it says that his face shone like the sun in the noonday. And uh, we only know that because Peter, James and John were there and they saw his face shining. Isn't that amazing? I think, I don't know what you think, I think that Jesus, every time he went up to spend time with the Father, and he did that a lot on his own, I think his face would have been shining. Our reading from 2 Corinthians says that this is to be true for us because the Holy Spirit is to be living in us. So Christina read from chapter 3 that as we stand in the presence of God, we begin to be transformed into his likeness, which comes from the Spirit. So as we spend time in his presence, we will be transformed. As we look at his face, at his kindness, at his wisdom, as justice, his love, we begin to see him better, but we also begin to look more like him. And others will begin to see that too. Can I have the next slide? All right, I'm going to go through um, two practices and one story before I finish. The two practices are to get a habit. We need to develop the habit of trying to see God through our days, what he's doing in us and around us in the events of the day. We need to even recognize our responses when we get upset about things or when bad things happen to us. We can ask the question, what is God saying to me today? That is a way to start seeing him. You could even pray, God, will you reveal yourself to me today? Why not? He might answer. Or I dare you even more, this is a dangerous prayer, say, Lord, will you show me what other people look like to you? Sorry. Because his heart is aching for people. And we don't see it. He loves us so much, and he loves the people around us. But until we begin to see with his eyes, we won't begin to share in his love for them. Sorry. So, like any habit, it takes time to get better at it. But as we do, we will begin to see God more and more. We've got two practices at the church I'm at in Trinity. It's, uh, I recommend it heartily. One is to have an alarm at 12 o'clock. And we all have it, so the whole community is doing that, hopefully. And it goes off at 12 o'clock, and it reminds me, comes up on my phone, it says, Be still and know that I am God. And that is so, that's a helpful reminder to, to be in the presence of God again. Sometimes something nice is happening, that's great and you're feeling good, but I'd say the most wonderful thing about it is when it's the least convenient. You're, everything is on top of you and you really don't need another thing to think about and it goes beep, beep, beep. And that is when you need to know, to be still and know that I'm God. And that's the first practice that can help us in this habit. And the second is um, one that's called examine is an Ignatian discipline and it's got a Latin name so it must be holy and it's a bit complicated to explain really in a short time so some of you may know about it already and I'm happy to talk about it afterwards but the idea is that at the end of the day you sit with God and say will you show me the day as you saw it and to go through the day and to walk it through with the Holy Spirit and to notice the things that God was doing. And you say, oh, wow, there was God in that person talking to me. And that changed and that did that. And I met this person and I really needed to meet them. And there they were on the corridor. Thank you. Just these little things. But it also the times where you missed him. 
to those of you who have to um, do um, audit cycles and PDSA, um, it's not like that. It sounds like that, but it's not like that. It's not a day of how well did I do, how did I achieve today. It's not that. That's what we get into. But that's a bit complicated for me to explain now. It's about walking through the day with the Holy Spirit. Okay, one story. So two of the staff at the church where I am, they were out in the um, shopping centre, outside Victoria Centre, and they were um, talking to a couple. There were two ladies, um, a mother and a daughter, and the daughter was in her 40s, 50s, so I don't know what that makes her mother. And they were talking away, and this colleague of mine, she was standing there and saying to the Lord, God, is this something that you could give me that would be a blessing to these people? Isn't that a great prayer? And as she was standing there praying, into her mind came a picture. So she said, with a bit of bravery, I think, a bit of courage to this couple, look, God sometimes speaks to me in pictures, and I just wonder whether this might mean anything to you. Look, if it's rubbish, just ignore me. But I'll just say, I just saw a picture of a lily. And when she said that, uh, both of the two ladies started uh, weeping as they sat there on the bench outside Victoria Centre. And they, uh, the daughter, she lifted up her sleeve and showed a tattoo of a lily. And this lily represented her granddaughter. So, <laughs> all these generations, the, 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 the daughter that was being met, she had a daughter in Canada who had given up her child, her baby daughter, for adoption. And, that was, and she was still living with the aching um, guilt and mess of all that. And in fact, even the day before, they'd seen a lily in one of the parks and they'd taken a photo and sent it to the daughter. So it was fresh in their mind. So when they heard that God had given a picture to a stranger they'd never met about their situation, their deep hurt that they didn't want to share with other people, they asked for prayer. And uh, uh, this colleague was able to pray with them about the love of God and that he forgave them and there was no need to carry this guilt. And I just think that is an extraordinary story, but is meant to be quite ordinary for us. Because it's to remind us that God sees just like the lily for that couple. He sees the lilies in our life, and he wants to address them. He wants us to know that he sees the deepest things, and he loves us. But also, it's a challenge for us to maybe make those prayers in the day. Maybe then we would begin to see God act more, and we haven't at the moment. Don't we, above all things, desire to be loved? But not just loved in a kind of superficial way, but loved by somebody who knows all the worst about us and still loves us. So I'm very lucky in marriage to be married to Christina all these years, and she knows me very well and loves me, and that's a great blessing to me. And I try and do the same for her, but it might be a surprise to hear that I don't always manage that. Sometimes I'm quite judgmental and selfish and impatient and I don't love her and that makes her frightened to share more but God is not like me he is absolutely kind and gentle he created us and he knows everything he knows even the bits that you don't know about yourself and he loves you and he is good and just and merciful and like we've been seeing today he is faithful, faithful, faithful so I urge us today that we would set our hearts to walk with him, to waste time with him. We're so good at time management, aren't we? We need to waste time with him 
to look up at his face and to allow him to look into our eyes and into our hearts. And as we do, we will be transformed. It will take time, but he will happen. Our faces will come to shine with that glory so that others will begin to see, not us, how good we are, but how good the Father in heaven is. Let's pray. We're going to use the, to pray this blessing from, attributed to Aaron, who's Moses, his brother. Perhaps he saw, he was remembering his brother's face shining. May the Lord bless us. And may he keep us. May he make his face to shine upon us and be gracious to us. May the Lord turn his face towards us and give us peace. Amen.